Amen. Amen. God bless you. It's great to see everyone tonight. If you're a guest with us for the first time, we're so glad you're here worshiping with us this evening. Amen. It's good to have with us tonight for the first time Antioch West, Brother and Sister Middleton, Elder Middleton, Sister Middleton. Saw you over there. Good to have you. Amen. And I said it this morning, I say it again. It's great to have uh, Kate's mother here with us, Sister Cher is here with us in service, worshiping. Amen. Many of you know her and love her, and, and uh, we're fed by her, and, and we're so glad she's here being able to celebrate with us. Amen. Praise God. If you have a Bible, would you go with me this evening to Mark chapter 10? Mark chapter 10, verse number 46. I do apologize. We only have the King James Version on the screen, but I want to read out of a different version tonight because I like a little bit of the wording in it. So if it's a little confusing to follow along, just do your best. Do your best and forget the rest. So Mark chapter 10, verse number 46. Very, very familiar story in Scripture. Verse 46 says, Now they came to Jericho as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great multitude. Blind Bartimaeus, everybody say blind Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Then many warned him to be quiet, but he cried out all the more, Son of David, have mercy on me. I like Barnabas. So Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. Then they called the blind man. Everybody say the blind man. Saying to him, be of good cheer. Rise, he is calling you. And throwing aside his garment, he rose and came to Jesus. So Jesus answered and said to him, What? Do you want me to do for you? What do you want for me to do for you? I want to preach to you for a few moments tonight on this subject. What do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? Would you just take one more time and just lift your hands to heaven and let's ask the Lord to help us tonight. I believe the Lord wants to speak to someone in this place. Father, we need you right now by the power of your word, by the authority of your name. I speak that your word would go forth to hearts and the ears and the lives of your people. The seed of your word, Lord, it's not the seed of a man, but it's the seed of your word would go into the heart and lives of your people tonight. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we speak these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Amen. We are living, it's kind of been something that I've talked about. My wife and I have had these discussions. I've had it with other people. But I believe we are living in very dangerous times in Christianity and not for the reasons you think because of the Muslims and all the external pressure from the LGBT agenda. But we are living in dangerous times because we are inundated with a pop culture Christianity. Christianity has become a feel-good 
I dream a genie Christianity. And ultimately, because of that, the barometer of our faith or God's favor has been based on how much stuff you have. So now we have been pursuing God's stuff and not pursuing his presence. And ultimately, technology has messed up theology. Because we want what we want when we want it. When Jesus spoke of things and spoke to the people that he was speaking to in the Gospels, that was a culture and a time that everything from your food to the utensils that you used to the bowls you drank out of, the cups that you drank out of, the bowls that you ate out of, to the furniture you set on, everything was built by hand and was built with a process. And we have become detached as a modern society from the process. Now if you want something handmade, you're going to have to pay a premium for it. And so most of us, we can't afford that. So we buy stuff that's made by a machine that is built basically in minutes when it used to take days. And so we have detached ourselves from the process. And because that is our culture and the idea which we live by, we bring that idea into the church. And so church has become the ATM where we come and we tell God we needed to withdraw some funds. And if he doesn't give it to us immediately, I mean, think about it. Come on. It's not been that long ago that if you wanted to call somebody and you were out, you had to wait till you got home to pick up the phone and call them. And you hope that they were home when you called. And then they came up with this great technology that we were all in love with, and that was the beeper. And the beeper would go off and tell you that you needed to call somebody, but even the beeper could not call. You had to wait till you got home. And then those of the, those that got a little ahead of the technology used to put codes on the beeper. Used to used to put in the beeper code, tell them it was nine one one. You need to call me now, or four one one. I've got information. You need to call me. But you still had to go through the process. And then I remember when, when, when car phones came out and it cost like $79 a minute to talk on the phone. But even with that, it was like, man, this is amazing. But now everything we do is instantaneously. It's still, it's, it's mind boggling when you think about it that you can pick up your phone sitting right here and you can talk to someone on the other side of the world in a moment. 60, 70 years ago, that was something uh, that, was, that was out of uh, uh, just, just some kind of crazy science fiction thing. And so we've brought that into, uh, into, the, in, into the church, and so it's all about what I can get out of it. But you know what? God is not interested in, in delighting me. He's interested in developing me. And sometimes to properly develop me, he has to not give me what I want when I want it. That doesn't make us happy. But you know what? My children think they want everything right now at that very moment. But as a parent, my wife and I sometimes don't give them what they want in that moment. Why? Because we're not as 
caring about their happiness as their development. A parent that gives their child everything they want when they want it is not raising a child, they're raising a brat. Let's just call it what it is. Because right now all of you know somebody that's like that. And you think, Lord Jesus, if that was my child, they wouldn't be doing that. Because we know sometimes as parents, no is a valid answer. And we're learning this, we're, we're, we're trying to instill this especially in our, in, our, in our children as they get older. You say no and their response is why? Well, I don't have to. No. No is an answer. No is a sentence. No, period. There's no end to that. No. And so we've gotten this idea, but Jesus in this exchange and in, in, the, in, the, in the version I read, I love how it's put. He asks, uh, he asks a blank check question to Bartimaeus. Blank check, Brother Middleton. He gives him a blank check. What do you want me to do for you? Imagine if God walked in here tonight and gave you a blank check question. What do you want me to do for you? What would be the first thing that popped in your mind? Well, you know, I really could use a new car. And Well, you know, I don't really like the house I'm living in. Lord, I like you know, maybe a new few few clothes or Lord, a better husband or better look wife or kids that are this or better parents. I mean, what would come in your mind? A better job. I got that would, that would make me happy. Get a better job. May my boss gets fired. A raise. And he asked Bartimaeus a blank check question. What do you want me to do for you? And Bartimaeus' response was, I don't want something that will make me feel better, but I want something that's going to make me better. Too many of us are chasing the things that will make us feel better and not things that will make us better. Oh, we're going to have to get a little deeper in it. I know it's coming. Because we're chasing things that we think will be the answer. We chase things that we think are going to be the thing that's going to make us finally have peace and happiness in our life. And we think that's the case. And instead of asking God to make us better, we're trying to chase things that make us feel better. And they say, Bartimaeus, Bartimaeus, why? I know it seems like an obvious thing in his condition, but Bartimaeus, why do you want to be changed? And every day he sat there with that cup. And every day people walked by and put something in that cup. And while they were filling up his cup, they weren't doing anything to change his condition. Mm. So Bartimaeus was saying, I don't want my cup filled. I want my life changed. Mm. 
Because I'm hanging around people that can fill my cup but can't change my life. And I'm tired of having it in a full cup but an empty life. Mm. Woo! I'm tired of having a full cup but a jacked up condition. Let's just talk real. It's okay. We're going to be real tonight. Bartimaeus, why do you want to be changed? Because I'm tired of my life being dependent on what other people put in my cup. You see, when your life is dependent on what others put in your cup, you become dependent on somebody else's happiness. When your life is dependent on your husband or your wife being in a good mood to make you happy, you've got the wrong cup. When your life is dependent upon your job to make you happy, you've got a filled cup but an empty life. Bartimaeus, what are you doing? I don't want that because you know what? When you live a life dependent upon the cup, you become a prisoner to your circumstances. Because when he got up out of there, what did he do with the cup? Because when God reached down and healed them, guess what? He didn't need the cup. Because when you get changed, the things that you used to rely on to make you happy, you don't need anymore. Because when you truly get changed, you can truly say, this joy I have, the world didn't give it to me. And if the world didn't give it, the world can't take it away. But as long as I have my cup and I'm dependent upon my cup, I'm dependent on you to make me happy. Well, you know what? I went to church tonight. No one shook my hand. Nobody loved on me. Nobody encouraged me. You're just admitting to all of us you got a cup in your life. You just let everybody know you're dependent upon your cup. Because you know what? I love you. But if I come in here and no one shakes my hand, I'm coming back next week. Because I'm not coming here for you to fill up my cup. I'm coming here because I want him to change my life. And that's why people that have a cup mentality always have their hand out. That's why people with a cup mentality, you can't go any farther in God than you are right now because you're dependent upon the cup. You're not chasing God for the God. You're chasing him because you're saying, God, fill my cup up, fill my cup up. But Bartimaeus said, I've spent my life with a cup. I'm tired of having a filled cup but an empty life. I'm tired of having a filled cup, but leaving the same way every day. Finding somewhere to lay down at night with a full cup, but just living this same way. Listen to me, Jesus. I won't want this cup anymore. Forget filling my cup. Change me. I don't know what
what he did with the cup. I don't know what happened to the cup. But if I was Barnabas, the first thing I would have done when I caught up to Jesus was throw away that cup. Because that cup was his identity. That cup was his lifeline. That cup was the thing that was depended upon. That cup was what he had with him. And whatever you depend on becomes your God. He wasn't, he wasn't serving the people. He was being served. That cup was everything to him. And that cup being full was the thing that every day he woke up, the first, that the first thing on his mind and the last thing he thought about when he went to sleep was the cup. The cup. But we look at Barnabas, and there's several things in this passage, in this story, that we've read a hundred times. I want to pull out some things that I think are very important for you to help somebody tonight, to allow the Lord to help you change. Somebody say it with sincerity. Lord, change me tonight. Change me. Change me. Look, I, look, I love to worship. I love to praise. I love to dance. We had a great worship here tonight. But you know what? I don't want to just come to church and, and worship and dance and leave sweaty and hot. But I want to come to come to church and worship and praise so I can get into a deeper presence of God so that he can change me. That's what worship is about. Worship is not just about the emotion and experience of worship so we can come and say, look, we danced and jumped tonight and it was felt good. Worship is designed so that we can do that and get in an atmosphere so that in return God can do something in our lives. So I want to show you a couple of things in this story maybe you've never seen that, that shows how there was a change in Bartimaeus. First of all, Bartimaeus had to learn to live above the label. Because you notice every time we see Bartimaeus, he's always called by his condition first, not by his name. Blind Bartimaeus. He wasn't Bartimaeus. He was blind Bartimaeus. He was labeled for his condition twice. And as long as he lived by the label, he was limited on what he could do. Blind Bartimaeus. Well, I'm an alcoholic. I used to be an alcoholic. The Lord saved me, but I used to be an alcoholic. No, you didn't used to be an alcoholic. Because the Bible says when you go in that water... You come out of that water, there's no use to in it. You don't walk around when a, when a baby's born and they learn to walk and talk. They don't just say, well, I used to be in the womb. I used to be in the womb. Yeah, I hung out in the womb for nine months. I, that's what I used to do. I used to. I used to hang out in the womb. That was where, Yeah, that was good. It was a good life. It was good. It was nice. You know, didn't have to work much. No. Not one person here today identifies yourself by those nine months you spit in the womb. Because you acknowledge your life didn't begin till you were born. Oh, you missed it. Missed it. Woo! Let's run it back one more time. You don't, you don't talk about the womb even though you love your mama. You don't talk about the womb because you acknowledge your life didn't begin till you were born. So it doesn't matter what to you what happened in the womb. The only thing that matters to you is I was born. 
when you get born of the water and of the spirit. My old life doesn't define my new life. Because, oh, I feel the Holy Ghost. When you're in the womb, you're confined. When you're in the womb, you're under someone else's will. What they eat, what they feed you, where they go, you go. If they're sick, more than likely, that's going to... You're defined. When you're in the womb, you're defined by the parameters of the womb. But when you're born again, when you're born, for, when you come out of your mother's womb, no longer are you defined by the parameters of the womb. And as long as you live under the label of your past, you are defined with the parameters of that label. I know I'm, the testimonies in this room were amazing, but I've, sometimes a testimony can be a, a dangerous thing because in recounting that testimony, we can allow that identity to creep back up on us. Because truly, that was not this life. When I was born again of the water and the spirit, that became a line. Because you see, when you allow a label to define you, that label will determine your place. Because watch what happens. He was blind Bartimaeus on the wayside. Blind Bartimaeus on the wayside. His condition determined where he was. His condition determined his address. The label that was being spoken over him determined where he was. Ah, oh, somebody needs to hear that. And as long as I label myself, well, I can't do this and I can't do that and I'm not being able to do this and I'm not doing and I can't have this down. I don't have this and that. As long as I label myself, I will define my place. As long as I label myself by what I can't do, I'll never find out what I can do. That's not in the notes. That's the Holy Ghost. Someone needs to hear that. As long as I define myself, I label myself by what I can't do, I'll never be able to find out what I can do. And I'll be where I am because I'll be defined by my label. Blind Bartimaeus. Blind Bartimaeus, blind Bartimaeus, BB. I don't know if they called him BB for short. Hey, BB. He was BB King before BB King was BB King. Blind Bartimaeus, blind Bartimaeus. And because of his label, it determined where he was. But watch this. Here's the thing. So many times we let the enemy get us sidetracked on what we don't have that we forget what we do have. Let's say it again. We let the enemy get us sidetracked on our doubt that we forget we actually do have faith. Because watch this, ready? We get so busy complaining about what's wrong, we forget what's right. Now, I'm about to show you this. Ready? Put verse 47 up there. Put verse 47. Can you put verse 47 up there? It's up to you or just on the, you're on the, ready? Ready? 
There's a, there's, I want you to show you this. Watch what happens. And when he hurt, his blind, he's blind Bartimaeus, ready? Blind Bartimaeus. And when he heard that Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out. You missed it. I'm going to come back and get you again. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he cried out. A couple of you got it that time. Let's go back and get it again. When he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he cried out. You see, the devil was dumb because he took away the wrong body part. Because he didn't see, but he could speak. And as long as his mouth was still working, because the miracle was in his mouth, his eyes couldn't work. He was limited by his condition. But he had some things that still could work. He cried out. You may be in here tonight and you may be limited by your circumstances. You may be in here tonight limited by you don't have two pennies to rub together. You may be limited tonight because you're in physical pain. You may be here limited tonight because your family situation is met. But what you don't realize is you still got a weapon in your arsenal. You've got a voice. And if you would lift up that voice. Life and death are in the power of the and the devil wants to get you reminded of what you don't have but what he doesn't realize is he's messing with the wrong thing because as long as this thing is working he can tie down my hands I'm going to use my feet he can tie my feet I may bounce a little bit he can take everything away but as long as I can say Jesus Jesus I may not be able to see him I may not be able to comprehend him but as long as I can cry out to him there's an opportunity for my life to be changed I just say that. Open up your mouth and say, Jesus! Oh, come on, let's just do that again. Jesus! you don't understand preacher I'm blind I can't see it doesn't matter that you can't see as long as you've got a mouth that you can open up there's an opportunity for a miracle in your life tonight yay yay the world may define me by a label the 
devil may try to take away something out of my life, but as long as I've got an open mouth, as long as I can cry out, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. and what you do have and you're forgetting what you don't have you've got power inside of you but we're just going to have some fun. Watch it for a second. The burning bush shows up to Moses. God speaks out of the burning bush. He says to Moses, I am. In the Hebrew, the I am is YHVH. I'm the I am. It's the unspeakable name of God. The bishop said it the other night and gathered it's unspeakable because God cannot be labeled. So he can't be defined by words because he's undefinable. But we go a little farther. And Jesus and and, 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 and God speaks to Mary and says, You shall call his name Jesus. Jesus in the Hebrew is Yeshua, which is short for Yahoshua. Yeshua means salvation, but Yahushua is like calling Bill, uh, calling uh, uh, Robert Bob, or calling William Will. It's a shortened version. So Jesus is Yeshua, but it's short for Yahushua, which is God who saved. So Yah, Yah God, Yah God, Hushua. Yah is the first syllable of the unspeakable YHVH. Yod Hey Vod Hey. So inherent in the name of Jesus is the power of the unspeakable name. And the unspeakable name is not defined by any label. But God knew we needed something to attach our faith to. needed something to get a hold of so when he came down to this earth and rode himself in flesh he said you can call me Yahushua because I'm the same yesterday today and forever so when I say Jesus I'm not just saying the name of the Savior but when I say Jesus I'm going all the way back to the beginning to the one that stepped out and said let there be light because watch me now watch me Put that back up there, verse 47. Watch. This is too much fun. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he cried out and said, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Leave it up. No, go back, go back, go back, go back, go back, go back. 
when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus of Nazareth, he cried out, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy. When he heard that it was Jesus, the carpenter from Nazareth, he didn't call him by what others said he was. But he called him by who he knew he was. They said, that's just Jesus of Nazareth. But he said, hey, that's Jesus, son of David, the almighty, the king of kings, the Lord of lords, the alpha, the omega, the beginning, the end, the great I am, the everlasting father, the wonderful, the counselor, the mighty God. because of his understanding of who he was he didn't let somebody else's doubt keep him because he knew who it was oh that's Jesus of Nazareth uh-huh, honey no 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 that's not the carpenter the carpenter can't fix my eyes the carpenter can't heal me the carpenter can't touch me that's Jesus son of God the healer the redeemer the savior but watch me now watch me go next to the next verse watch me I'm almost done watch me go next verse and how and many charged him that he should be quiet. You notice, notice when you get your own revelation, someone always tries to tear it down. When you get your own revelation, you have people in your life say, "No, no, no, you sure that's okay? No, 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 that just can't happen that way. You sure? No, you're just too crazy. God doesn't really work that way." But something rose up in Bartimaeus. He said, "Ah, uh-uh. no, 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 no." It don't work that way this time. It don't, it don't stop here this time. And the Bible says he cried out even greater. I wish there would be an even more, even the more, even the more mentality that would come on somebody tonight. Because whenever you're close to a, oh Jesus, whenever you're close to a breakthrough is the time of the greatest resistance of your life. Because resistance is not evidence that you're failing. Resistance is evidence that you're close. Oh, somebody, the light bulb just went on in somebody's life. You think you're getting resistant because you're failing, but you don't realize you're being resistant because you're just one step away from stepping into a realm of Jesus you've never been before. You may be just one more prayer away, one more hand clap away, one more dance away, one more worship away. Get it, 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 get it,
Don't let that resistance stop you. But let that resistance fuel you because you say, devil, you just played your cards and I know your game because you wouldn't be messing with me if you didn't think I was right next to my breakthrough. Somebody needs to let their faith rise up right here. Rise up right here. Come on, the resistance that you're fighting is not resistance of failure, but the resistance that you're fighting is because you're stepping into revelation. You're stepping into healing. You're stepping into anointing, and the devil recognizes that. And so he's brought resistance, but the resistance is not because you've made a wrong turn or you've upset God or you've gone in the wrong direction, but the resistance is because the devil realizes Something is being birthed in your spirit. How many young boys were born before Jesus and after Jesus that Herod and the ruling party didn't care anything about? But when Jesus was born, the adversary tried to kill him. Because the adversary recognized there was something happening in this baby that was unique. Because we don't hear about the young boys of of Jerusalem being killed the next decade after that. It was that generation. So the fact that you're in this place tonight and you're going through something is not because you're failing. It's because you are on the track and you're in position because God's about to put you in something. You're about to birth something out of you. And the resistance is actually confirmation. The resistance is not condemnation, but confirmation. Turn to your neighbor and say, has the devil been fighting you? If they say yes, say, keep it up, honey, because you're on the right track. Jesus there was something inside of his heart desperation took over he didn't need you to tell him what to do all he needed to do was I've got one thing and one thing only I've got to get the attention of the one that's able to take away my cup and change my life I 
wonder tonight. Boy, some of you are just, you're just bumping right up against this little, little ceiling. You're just about to break it all apart. We're, we're just about to break this thing wide open. We're, we're, we, we've, we've bumped up against it. But we're just going to have to just break it open. All right, let's just break it open. If you're in here tonight and you say, look, listen, I've been under attack. I've been, I've been, I'm being battled. I'm being battled in my mind. I'm being battled in my family. I'm being battled in my job. I'm being battled in my car. I'm being battled with my kids. I've been, been, been battled in school. I've been just being battled. If you're in here tonight and that's you, I want you to come up here. Don't be shy. Bartimaeus wasn't shy. Come on, Ron. Tonight's got to be the night, buddy. You can't be living like this in this funk, brother. Tonight's got to be the night. Now, I wish those of you that are down here, you don't need anybody to pray for you right now. Just close your eyes, throw your hands, open up your mouth, and let your faith be released. Come on. If the devil has been fighting you, that's confirmation that God is doing something in your life. church come down here and join with your brothers and sisters take them by the hand put your hand on the shoulder god's doing something deep in this place right now there's a breakthrough happening right now